What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Meaning of Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about your favorite filmmakers and the deeper meaning within their films. I'm here with my boy, RB3. We are talking about the Snyder Cut in full. We are super excited to get into it because we have been talking about Snyder Cut, uh, Justice League, uh, for years, RB3. Literally years since it came out. I've been talking about this for years because I remember sitting in theaters opening night and wa- watching Justice League um, and just being completely blown away by how terrible it was uh, and just really feeling like the heavy invisible hand of Warner Brothers just meddling in that film and just not letting it be a, a Zack Snyder film, which eventually it came out and it wasn't a Zack Snyder film. Uh, we personally highly recommend that article that came out that kind of pretty much breaks it down and what happened. Uh, I think it's Hollywood Reporter, right, RB3? I believe uh, so, if I'm not mistaken. uh, But they kind of talk about how the whole time Warner Brothers was doubting him, uh, trying to trying to have some other writers write some stuff in there. They were uh, trying to make it under two hours, trying to do a ton of jokes at the same time. Joss Whedon jokes, which are even worse. Um, It was just a bad experience, a bad uh, working relationship, and it just bad overall because obviously the personal things that Zack Snyder had to deal with during that time period was also something that was pretty harsh uh, and pretty strong to deal with, which is why I've always been a vocal proponent of the Snyder Cut anytime I can. Uh, RB3, I know you reviewed this movie. I think we're both on the same page, at least I am. I just saw this movie and you saw it earlier in the week. Uh, So personally, man, I don't know about you, but I'm riding high, like real high on that Snyder Cut, man. I am blown away by how dramatically better um, it was. And a lot of it, RB3, let's let's talk about the first, the elephant in the room, which what is everyone talking about on Twitter? A lot of it is, and I can't lie, because at first, that first hour, I was like, I don't know, man, this seems like a lot, uh, is that pacing. I really do feel like dragging it out and just letting moments breathe, letting, letting, Superman when he's on his farm spoilers guys and just letting him literally take a breath and like put on a shirt and smile and just be like I'm alive again like that moment are like the little things that make quality just jump up a hundred percent more I don't know if you agree with me man but I felt like the pacing was just the most dramatically improved thing in the movie I mean, yeah, I mean, I think this is uh, this is something that's a very interesting conversation to have, like when it comes to like the art of filmmaking and like, you know, what, you know, filmmaking is and has become like over the years. Right. And I think what we think a lot about uh, what today's cinema is, what quote unquote postmodern cinema is, it's the idea of faster, it's the idea of rapid pace, it's the idea of, you know, make everything go as quick and as flashy and as, and as fun as possible. Um, now a lot of times that leads to some satisfying, satisfying, you know, filmmaking like Gareth Edwards or, you know, um, some people really enjoy the work of Zack Snyder. He's a highly stylized person who manipulates time in a really, um, interesting way and manipulates pacing in a really interesting way. There are times where people may feel like a sensory overload when it's Michael Bay, when it's, you know, very high level of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, movement, like, you know, connect, uh, what they call it, kinetic energy, when there's a lot of kinetic energy on screen. Um, plus, when there's long run times attached to those Transformers movies, it gives us like real powerful sense of like sensory overload. I think what Zack Snyder did a really good job at in this was really doing, was really laying out 
um, a vision for a movie that wasn't too over over packed. It wasn't too over jammed. Like the pacing contributed to the tone of the story that you're that, like that was intended to be told. The first half of this film moves a lot slower and feels a lot slower and feels a lot more drained out because you're supposed to feel the depressing worldwide feeling of the death of Superman. And you see that echoed in like that opening sequence when uh, there's that cry that could be heard around the world. Like you hear all corners of the DC universe hearing this this cry and this uh, the, and that Superman has. And that's felt all across the world. You see that all across each individual person's story. I think Zack Snyder used all the tools at his disposal, whether that was his usual like dark color palette, whether that's, uh, you know, the the heady writing from Chris Terrio, um, who, you know, won an Argo, won an Oscar for, with writing with Ben Affleck in Argo, um, and also writing on BVS. And then, you know, not to mention also the, the music choices. Now, mm -hmm. that is probably the one piece of criticism that I had in the initial review that I, I still kind of have upon my rewatch too. Um, and I do think that they, that there was a little bit of like an extra bit of a point to make you feel a little bit extra depressed. Even in moments that I feel like, oh, maybe the depressing song wouldn't have necessarily been necessary here. Um, for me, most notably was when the song to the sirens came on when Barry Allen and Iris West were, um, when when Barry Allen was saving um, Iris Rust from the, the the car crash incident or whatever, I was like, oh, that's the one part. I'm like, dang man, that could have been like a really that could have been a, a little bit more upbeat, a little bit of a funnier song. But I think, and this is like my ultimate conclusion of when I watched the Snyder Cut, this would have been a perfect movie if it would have been handled by responsible producers and a responsible studio because there's really gold here. Like, if there's easy choices to be made, like you know, change this music choice here, you know, chop off the end of this scene, maybe a minute or two earlier than it, than it ends right now. And, you know, just clean it up a little bit. This would have been a perfect, perfect, perfect movie. This would have been a perfect movie if it would have been handled the right way correctly initially, but because of how circumstances were, we're now seeing it as it is now. So what about now? What about the movie? We got the four hour Snyder cut, official release Snyder's vision like you said like no producer heavy-handed stuff but just Snyder's vision what do you think of it well me personally like you know um I'm, I'm a big so for one I was a big advocate of Snyder Cut like you and I both were this we channel were, is yeah. yeah we we've been talking about this forever we've been tweeting about this forever you can search up you know my yeah. my my name and your name I'm sure on Twitter and we both re <laughs> hashtag released the Snyder Cut a bunch of times yeah um so, you know, but in generally speaking, though, I'm not the biggest fan of director's cuts personally. Like, you know, oh, like I, I'm and my personal opinion, like I like movies that move a little quicker. I like movies where they mm. get to the point a little bit, you know, sooner. Mm. Um, you know, for me, even though there's better information, more information or something, I still like to see a more narrow focused version of what, what you're kind of saying, because to me, that's more impactful. Like, what can you tell? With more and obviously more details obviously expand the mythology and whatnot but you know whatever like for me i personally prefer the theatrical cut of watchmen um to the to the director's cut of watchmen that that zack snyder or i'm sorry uh well i guess if there's three cuts of it so there's the there's the director's cut there's the theatrical cut director's cut and the 
ultimate cut. The ultimate cut is four hours. That was another four hours. That's not a thing. Um, and the four hour cut is dope, but if I'm being honest, I prefer the director's cut, you know, more because even though it's, it's longer and it's more expanded, but it's also like more succinct. It's more like linearly focused. So that's what, that's ultimately the same way I feel like with, with a lot of, with a lot of things. But I think for me, like this, this four hour version of justice league, I wouldn't necessarily call it perfect. It is like close to perfect. Uh, as if, if I'm looking at it, like as its own individual movie, it's yeah. really, really good. There are some problems. I do see like some issues with, especially in the beginning with the Aquaman and Batman scene. That to me mm-hmm. is like, you know, that one could use a little work and I could see why they probably refilmed that scene. I could also mm-hmm. have some problems with, like I said, the music choices. And again, if this would have been three hours and 20 minutes, it would have been like absolutely stellar. But if you're comparing it to the 2017 Justice League, it's a masterpiece. It's Citizen Kane. It's yeah. Right. Well, I, I don't think anything ever made. That. So. Like I, I, I hear uh, the internet today guys talk about it, and they're like, pretty much any movie could be better than that one. I, I really yeah. do feel like that movie just really, there, there was something just a little bit extra salty, and petty about that movie. Uh, just I don't know. You could really tell when you were watching it. But for me, man, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's close, uh, close to being like a ten out of ten for me. Uh, not quite there because of you're right. I think a, a, a few scenes in the beginning could have been snipped. Um, but I, I can't lie, man. Everything in the second act and everything in the third act, almost everything in the third act felt to me appropriately length, appropriately paced um, when it comes to timing and when it comes to flow. And I think I'm on the opposite side of you. I like things breathing. I like things being expanded upon. I like pauses in between dialogue. I like moments where the camera just sits on a character for a couple seconds and you feel like it's awkward, but it's not. I love those moments. To me, that's really special filmmaking because I feel like you're trying to communicate so much more without plot, 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 exposition, exposition. Let's go to the next scene. Let's go to the next action scene. Like to me, I like letting characters breathe and letting moments breathe. and I also, that's the other thing too, man, when it comes to storytelling, because I really like that we're talking about this. Um, I'm an anime fan and anime is also very much similar to what Zack Snyder does in the sense of like, it's long as hell and it's super dramatic and epic. And the music cues are very much in your face and very much like, like, like choir singing and like craziness going on. And it's supposed to make you feel like, something epic is going down because that's what anime is. It's pretty epic, whether it be Dragon Ball Z, Demon Slayer, Attack on Titan, um, Jujutsu Kaisen does this too. Like it's all like super over the top music cues and epic cues because it's supposed to make you feel that way. And that's why I was cool with it because I did notice it. I was like, damn, this music is is wild, (laughs) but I liked it. And I honestly, man, I actually really liked that Barry Allen scene uh, and I like that music drop. That music you like that music? I, I just did. I, 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 I wasn't. Couldn't. You know what I thought it was at first, man. What? I can't lie. When I heard the first key of the piano, the bing, mm-hmm. bing, I was like, "Yo, is he about to bring out Kanye?" Kanye. <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. Yeah, I thought, you thought that it too. too. Yeah, I was like, I was oh, like yo. "Yo, Kanye West." <laughs> like straight up, like, oh, bro. What's that song called, man? Um, um, run away, always right? Fine, and I always find yeah. something. But it's called yeah, run, run, run away, away, run away, run yeah, away yeah. from me, baby. baby. I was like, 
I was like, bro, if that beat kicks in. That would have right been, now, that would have been, see, I would have fit. Yo, Zach, that would have fit, bro. I would have been like, ah. Yo, Zach, in. that would have fit so hard. That would have fit right? so hard. I thought that when I heard the piano, I was like, that's yeah. the same key. Yeah. Uh, but when I heard the song and it was like a slow kind of beautiful song and it, it was, was um, like, I yeah. liked it because I felt like as cheesy as it was, it really did kind of convince me that in the blink of an eye, literally in the blink of an eye, Barry Allen fell in love. And I was like, that's so cheesy and corny, but it worked like just literally between the moment he's locking eyes with her and he's slowly bringing her down. He's like, falling in love with her and you see the moment being slowed down and the music he was really telling you like lovey dubby stuff and that's yeah. why i was like yo bro i'd fall in love too if this uh, i was looking at kiersey clements <laughs> like i i thought it worked i was like it convinced me that he's actually having like a thousand feelings and thoughts in the span of 0.01 seconds and I was like, that's cool. That's a really cool concept. I don't know. I like yeah. it. Yeah, I think I think it was cool. I just think it could have been a little bit more of an uplifting song. And sure. I think like especially Kanye's when it was coming. Runaway. Maybe. Or there was even, you know, it came right after the scene when Aquaman. And this was a scene we saw in the in the release version, in the theatrical version, when Aquaman, like, drinks the, the bottle and jump, yeah. hops into the waves. Now, when we see it in the theatrical version, it's that hard rock metal thing. Almost fits. Almost feels like it fits. Because if I'm being real, to me personally, it almost feels like that would have been like the original choice. That almost feels like the original choice. But then I feel like maybe, I don't know, maybe this is just me speculating or maybe this is just me like not being fully informed. But then I personally feel like maybe this was something where Zach was like, oh, I got to make it like so different than what that was. Let me just put like the exact he opposite. Said, he's kind of gotten um, out of his way to say that he really didn't want to do that, which is why yeah. he didn't watch the Joss Whedon version. Yeah. You hear him say I, that in interviews? I, I'm, I, I haven't said, I'm, I'm, I didn't know he said that. That's very interesting. Yeah, he did, but I mean, yeah. but I mean, whatever it was, like that, the the Nick Dave, I think the song is Nick Dave and the Bad Scenes. There's a kingdom. Again, it's right on the nose. There's a kingdom. He's the king of Atlantis. I totally get it. It was just so depressing. And it was just, again, yeah. I get like the tone of like the depressing tone, keep it down. I get that, but you know, that was just the one thing, but I don't want to get hung up too, too much on the negatives though, because I do want to say like, like you said, with that Barry Allen scene, they communicated so much and so little with the visual language. And they they did that so well across all boards, especially with cyborg. I feel like cyborg, they did talk about that cyborg scene. Yeah. Um, I mean, all the cyborg scenes, his simu, but his first like simulation power scene, I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, this is so cool. Yeah, that was what a way to make Cyborg like 10 times cooler, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, go ahead. You can keep going about Cyborg. Yeah, no, I, saw, I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, they they really took you inside of the technology in a way that was like very forward thinking. And to me, it was very reminiscent of that origin scene from Man of Steel when he like is like having, when, when you see like the young Clark Kent. For one, you see those scenes where he's like having like the trippy like flashbacks and, or not flash but he's having the flashes of the x-ray vision and he's not understanding what's going on and then you start to see like that montage of him discovering his powers and then that also that that dark dream sequence he has with um mm, with um was odd yeah and this then like this moment felt like that same kind of like visionary like taking a trip inside of the mind of the character as they're developing and as they're learning their powers and, I, and that was just really really cool and i thought it was really an interesting device using 
um, his father using the tape recorder, which is in and of itself a piece of technology to communicate that to him, like almost secondhandedly. So there's a lot of like really like interesting and, and dope visual language and them, thematic language that they use throughout his entire story. I also just love seeing those. I'm sorry, real quick. I also love seeing those football flashbacks when he was playing oh, football, yeah. like that super slow mo, just like, yes. oh, that come back. For and then some you just... reason it worked, right? Like, cause yeah. we just had a slow mo scene before that. I think it was the Aquaman one. Mm-hmm. And then we got another one like five minutes later and yet I was okay with it because like mm-hmm. you said, it, it just felt like, it worked as far as seeing like who this guy was as a badass football player. Um, yeah, that scene was great, man. You can keep going if you want. Yeah, no, but yeah, just overall, it's, it's really a crying shame that they cut out this man's entire storyline out of this movie. This was, he yeah, wasn't just like, he wasn't just like a supporting character. His storyline was literally the central through line of the entire story. He like, saved the world. From, he, he saved his from literally started the movie to the it's his story is it's his arc it is, he, yeah. the biggest he is the mother done. box yeah yeah he's the one who sacrificed himself and he has that journey and we watched the 2017 version and he makes that sacrifice to just throw himself in the box it really doesn't make that much sense but then we finally see that whole journey the whole journey that i went through with seeing his father die and sacrifice himself to make the mark on the box to seeing uh all of the uh you know to seeing like his mother actually seeing his mother like actually die in that car accident and then seeing like his entire journey, you actually feel like, you know, you are fully invested in him. You are him in this story. So that's, I, I feel like that was dope. And it was just a crying shame that they, they completely got rid of that. So hundred percent cyborg was improved times a thousand in this movie. Uh, the way I, I really want to go back to that scene where uh, he listens to the tape recorder and his dad is like, let me tell you who you are. And he basically goes inside his simulated version of himself uh, inside his mind. And he's like, imagine the world. You are the shield around the world. You're the guardian of the world. Um, Think of every single dangerous thing you have. Think of all the nuclear weapons the planet has. uh, And you can wipe that away with a thought. And when he says that, you could see all the nuclear weapons. And he waves it away almost like a... A Tinder profile just literally going like that and it just goes away. Uh, he swipes. <laughs> yeah, he swipes right, he swipes left, whatever. <laughs> like the way he did that scene, and then the way he talked about like uh the way the financial structures are battling each other, you can change that with the snap of your fingers or something like that. Like the way the mm-hmm. the way this is written, the way it's exposition, uh it, I think they do it really well. Shout out to Chris Terrio and to Zack Snyder for talking about even how Wonder Woman ex- explains the first war when she's like old heroes of, of past and new come the together. The golden age of heroes. That was such golden a beautiful age. monolith. Wow. Right? Beautiful and it, and it's, it's one of those things where even the way she explained the mother boxes made sense to me. She was like, think mm-hmm. about the most powerful supercomputer in the universe. It's so powerful that it's almost witchcraft. It has a mind of its own. And I'm like, I mean, I've seen plenty of Black Mirror. I've seen plenty of like sci-fi stuff. I immediately clicked. It clicks in me, right? It clicks for most people who know sci-fi. The way they do exposition and the way they explain Cyborg's powers, the way they explain um, the way to defeat this thing, like it just felt epic and dramatic and anime and cool. And just, I don't know, man, I think it's really well done. Yeah, and the idea, the the whole concept of like the golden age of heroes and they show that, they show that flashback in the 2017 version, but again, it's truncated. It's way shorter 
But when we finally f- f- watched a full length, like expanded version of what's like actually going on, you get a full understanding. Like, oh, this isn't just a a scene to show like Stephen Wolf like getting the mother box. It, it wasn't even about that at all. It's about showing the unite the unity of all of these heroes coming together and stopping a united force and how difficult it is for just one, you know, just one people to do it. Like the even though we think and we know that the Mascarans are the most powerful beings in the entire world. Like they can't even stop uh, Dark Side or, or or Stephen Wolf alone, so they really did a good job establishing that level on that front. Um, so it was just, yeah, I really, I really dug seeing that. I dug seeing, um, I, I, I dug seeing the the actual literal Zeus. Like I, I was like, oh, are they actually bringing in like Yo, Greek guys into this? She was like, like Zeus, and I, and this shows yeah. them like all buffed and like throwing lightning yeah. like this. I was yeah. like, Yo, that's yeah. Zeus. <laughs> I'm like, wow, they're literally bringing in like Greek guys. I can't, I can't believe this. Like, and um, yeah. which is, I think, and again, I think that it was, it was filmed like true to what they filmed because at the time they were developing the new guys with Ava DuVernay yeah. uh, set to direct. So this was probably something that was going to set up into that and allude into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, that was just that was such a cool thing to see, and yeah, just seeing all of that, you know. Um, all of that stuff and seeing how they broke it up. That was also the benefit of like this re-release and putting it into like part one, part two, part three, like giving you that little like golden age of heroes, like gives you kind of like a nudge as to like what this section is about, what this thematic section is about. And yeah, I just loved it, man. I just thought that was dope. Yeah. Let's quickly go to the, uh, to the emotional aspect of these movies. And obviously we talked a little bit about cyborg. We can talk a little bit more um, when it comes to cyborg, like you said, going from, mm-hmm experiencing the crash of his mother and seeing her mother seeing his mother die uh, mm-hmm. to seeing his father die to eventually seeing them in that simulated world uh, inside the mother box and and being mm-hmm. able to fight back which was really really well done mm-hmm. you know what got me in the feels that i didn't think would mm-hmm. uh because i still think that loki he's like probably at the bottom of my list uh is barry allen um it's the barry allen reverse time scene Oh yeah. It got me. me. And it got I think the reason why it got me was because I have to give my full disclosure of the fact that I'm a DC Mm. fanboy. Like I'm a hardcore DC fanboy. So anytime I see like my first time watching BVS, for example, and I saw that flash scene Mm. of him traveling back in time, like I personally got giddy and freaked out because I knew what, what was happening. Uh, as far as Flash traveling back in time, because people, if you've seen the Flash TV show, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you know anything about Flash, time travel is like his his bread and butter. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he was forced to travel back in time uh, and he's repeating his dad's words, I was just like, dude, this is, it's mm-hmm. getting me, man. I, I didn't mm-hmm. think I would feel something for this Flash, personally, the Ezra Miller Flash that I don't really have a connection mm-hmm. to. And even I'm just like, yo, this scene's actually kind of good, though. That was an amazing scene. That was an amazing <laughs> right? scene. And I wasn't in it. That, that whole, like, reversing time concept was yeah. another thing that they just completely cut out of the 2017 yeah. version, which is the most interesting part of Flash. Like, It's like the coolest that, part of Flash. If you know yeah. anything about Flash, it's like he can time travel. That's his thing. Yeah, yeah. And it, I just, yeah, I just, I don't, I didn't understand, like, was the point of yeah i didn't understand like what was the point of cutting that out especially when the stakes were that high like seeing the world like actually and like seeing you know uh dark side actually about to step out like you're just like oh shoot like the apocalypse is here this is what the everything was setting up for 
And then like, and then and then you just see Flash just having that moment. And like you're right, it was an, it was it was an emotional moment. And that's also what I I really applaud about this movie too because they didn't feel the need to like invent like some random Russian family like the, the theatrical cut did to to make you feel invested in the Barry Allen. They just they all they had to do was show you one scene with him interacting with his father in prison, one scene with Batman, and then him actually talking and getting along with the crew and actually de- like you see him developing that family. Thing. And it's not just one scene of it happening. It's various scenes post that. Now you actually start to see that connection he's beginning to have. Like, now you're actually starting to see that. And also what I thought was just crazy was when he was reversing time, he saw, like, the bodies of, like, Superman and all those people, like, coming back together. <laughs> that felt super Watchmen in me. Like, I was like, oh, Zach's really going back to that. Uh, but, yeah, it was just, that was amazing. That was an amazing, amazing sequence. And I love that they gave him a hero moment right before, right after the cyborg hero moment and yep. you know they're just giving everybody hero moment after hero moment mm-hmm. after hero moment and they really paid a lot of good attention to doing that so absolutely um all right guys we're gonna go to break after the break we're gonna be talking about the elephant in the room the other elephant in the room that's superman uh, so make sure you guys stick around this ain't funny so don't you dare laugh with the 455 you in half did you watch the new Disney Plus and MCU show Falcon and the Winter Soldier? If you're on the fence, check out my non-spoiler review available exclusively on First Cut. Here's a clip. Enjoy. And you start you start off with an opening sequence where you follow Falcon uh, doing his work and 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 flying and you know I'm guessing part of the military. Um, and this is one of the dopest sequences ever. Like we've seen dogfights on film, we've seen flying scenes on film, but we've never seen nothing like this. And to start the show off with such a hot favor of action, fun, literally right off the top, it's like yo, this is crazy. And they get mad creative with it too. Um, it's not like something that, you know, is generic or something we've seen all over the place. No, this feels like something that might have been in like a video game or just could be something really, really cool and original that we just haven't seen on a movie screen. And then we actually follow um, a lot of the characters. We actually follow Falcon and Winter Soldier and their lifestyles post Endgame, how they're adjusting to life, how they're living life. We meet uh, Falcon's uh, lifestyle, and we get to see the kind of struggles he deals with. We actually learn that he's, you know, from the South, and he um, has a, a family who has a struggling uh, a boat business, and he's trying to make it work, you know, financially. But then you kind of learn, you know, hey, like, you know, what's kind of the financial situation for the Avengers? Do they even get paid? That was always a question I had personally. They kind of talk about that a little bit. Check out our new website on geeksofcolor.co slash first dash cut to check out our reviews, our videos, and articles that pertain to everything First Cut related. Check it out. Come along, children. Now we're going to have a little music. What's up, guys? We're back talking about the Snyder Cut. Full spoilers here. Let's get into the Superman moment in this film. And obviously, uh, it stayed pretty similar to the original uh, cut that we got in the theaters as far as like bringing him back to life and all that kind of stuff. We knew that. But what really did change um, was the interaction between Superman and Lois and Superman and his mother. Uh, and I talked a little bit in the beginning about letting scenes take a breath and breathe. Uh, and take time to 
let the scene develop. And I felt like that's kind of what happened in the Superman moments for me personally, where he's back at the farm and he's taking it all in. And that's a good like 10 minutes that we stay at the Kent farm, 10, 15 minutes. And that's a long time for, you know, a regular theatrical cut. But in this, it works so well because we got to see him and Lois and then him and his childhood and then finally him and his mother and that embrace that he has. Uh, what do you think of that entire interaction and the idea of bringing Superman back this way? Yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was dope. I mean, like you said, it was very similar to the theatrical cut in that sense. Like they, um, yeah, it was very similar in the fact that, yeah, he comes, he comes back, like they bring him back to life. Like that whole plot was very similar to what we see in the actual movie. Um, but yeah, extending that, those moments between Lois and um, him were, I think, essential and, 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 and I think really added to the um, breathiness and to the, like, to really finding out and get, getting back to Superman and really making that presence feel more personal. Um, I do think, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I just think it, I also think it's interesting that, like, there wasn't a lot of Lois in this movie like overall like her scenes were like pretty pretty spaced out and that was also like again like that I think that's a that's an issue that would have been more corrected in like a three hour 20 minute version than like a than like a four hour version I think those scenes would have probably been a little more tighter together and it would have she would have felt more in it but like it felt you know she did definitely feel connected and I'm so glad I'm so glad they didn't use that cheesy cheesy thing they did in the 2017 movie like or Batman was like, Alfred, get the plan B. And then who's plan B? And then um and then Lois comes out of the cop car or whatever. You remember that? And the actual cut, do you remember that? Yeah. yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that Josh made that stupid nonsense up. Because that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. Um yeah, so overall, um I, I really, I really, I really did it enjoy that. I I I will say though, um, I did you know just for me speaking personally. Just the way people were hyping it up, and we saw the black suit in the trailers, and you know people were talking about the black suit Superman. I personally thought there was going to be a little bit more. I thought it was going to be a little bit different than a little bit more, you know, distinctive than what we saw in the theatrical cut. But that's not necessarily a critique or anything. That's nothing wrong with the the, the, the piece. That's just my own expectations. Yeah, and I think a lot of that too was more the the way the movie mentions and brings up the legend of superman is more than what we actually get from him and in a way that's kind of i don't know i kind of like that because it felt like he's such a mythical being now uh after the whole bds interaction that people are now like literally mother boxes are afraid of him uh and i thought that was kind of cool and then the way that superman came in and he he literally just he basically never took a lick bro like he straight up had like three-pointer after three-pointer like superman never even blinked as far mm -hmm. as his fight with steppenwolf like steppenwolf was so beneath him as far as his level the way he stared down dark side i thought that was kind of like a way to be like yo superman's like different bro <laughs> mm -hmm. like you've been seeing aquaman you've been seeing wonder woman you've been seeing flash all these powerful characters but superman is such a different scale of power that even mother boxes, even entire armies can't do what Superman can do. Even entire like Atlantean and Amazonian armies can't do what Superman can do. And that's kind of what he is in, in the comics and in DC story. It's like Superman is that level 
he is like the all-time OP overpowered, like he can do anything kind of kind of superhero. And that's what I liked about it as far as like bringing him at the very last second, defeating Steppenwolf at the blink of an eye, and then literally staring down Darkseid as far as like, hey, like he's the only one who can keep up with me is this guy. I thought that was mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. Yeah, no, that was definitely that was definitely, definitely really cool. What did you think of Lois Lois Lane's uh, supposed pregnancy? Uh, I mean, it, it's definitely one of those things. We haven't gotten to it. Let's kind of get to the idea of setup for the second film. So this was originally, I believe he said that this was going to be Justice League Part 1, Justice League Part 2, right? As far as the story, Zack Snyder's original story. Well, I think, I don't know. I mean, I personally think this feels like a part one. This feels like a, just a part one. I feel like the part two was supposed to come later. Yeah. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like this was supposed to be part one and then there was going to be a Justice League part two, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's probably set up for that as well. Um, And it's probably why this movie ends with the nightmare sequence uh, which is more set up for the second film. Uh, how'd you feel about that? How'd you feel about the nightmare sequence and the idea of the potential of a second Justice League film? Um, yeah, I was interested. I mean, the nightmare sequence that 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 is just interesting because they they've refilmed it, and you know you gotta you guys we gotta we gotta address the the multiple elephants in the room. That's with the, the Leto. With, that's the scene with Ezra Miller, Amber Heard, and Jared oh. Leto. All in the same scene. <laughs> and with Ray Fisher, too. And with Ray Fisher, too, which is like, come on, like, they're putting all the blacklisted, like, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Yeah. People in Hollywood. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, no, nah, that was just, yeah. that was just strange. And also Joe Mangianello, too. Um, yeah. Now, of course, yeah, that's, that, that's, it's interesting that they're trying to set this up. You know, they mentioned multiverse earlier. Uh, yeah. Darkseid mentioned the multiverse earlier. In the, um, in the in the film, and I think that's definitely something that they might try to explore now that we have a Robert Pattinson um, Batman coming up, and we also have Michael Keaton returning to the Flash. Oh, the Flash! So, the Flash is the big one, I think, because yeah. that's definitely going to be multiverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there's going to be. I think that's probably the window and the opportunity that we're going to see them being open to. Maybe we we might get a trip into the Dark Side universe there. We might get a trip into. Um, you know, the obviously the Michael Keaton Batman in some other universe or something like that. So, yeah, I think that could be an area that they go into. I would love to see a Justice League part two, but at this point, I don't know. I don't know if they would be open to it. I don't know if, if WB or DC will be like fully open to it. I guess it would just depend on how successful this this one is. Um, but ultimately, though, I would love to see it and I would love to see the story continue. I do just want to caution like, don't just get too like overly invested in this gravy train like before before it gets too over involved. Just focus on telling a good story. And I think this was to me, this felt like the first time, you know, obviously Man of Still didn't feel too much of a set. That felt like a solo movie. But after post Man of Still, this felt like the first DCEU movie that wasn't like a a massive like setup for something else. So it didn't feel like empty because I had to look forward to the next thing. Like even though I was looking forward to what was the next thing, but I felt full. I felt like satisfied by the time like the team teamed up together. If I'm being real with you, I love, you know, Joss Whedon's, you know, Avengers, one of my favorite comic book movies ever. When it comes to the pure setup and a pure team up and the idea of like 
bringing a team of six strangers together and all banding together um, to do this and accomplish this goal. Um, I feel like that's, to me, they did that 10 times, 20 times, 100 times better than what the Marvel uh, Universe did. And, you know, even though Marvel had individual movies to set up these characters, like this had, it it did it in and of its film, in and of itself, and it just felt earned and it felt natural and it felt real for every single person in the group, so. Yeah, small moments between Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Yeah, uh, Arthur and Diana, when they they had the same saying growing up, that's like a little tiny moment, but it still made you feel and believe like this is something significant as far mm-hmm. as them coming together, being Atlantean, being Amazonian, um, you know, Barry Allen coming for where he's coming, Cyborg doing his thing, like it felt organic. It felt, it felt like it made sense. Uh, and every character felt placed correctly in the right position uh, for the team up. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that worked out really well. I think it did. Um, let's quickly, uh, let's go to the action, man. What do you think of the action sequences? Because that's something that uh, oh, yeah. the Weeding Cut kind of went nuts with. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, the Weeding Cut was terrible, um, yeah. obviously. And the action, the action, you know, action sequences remain mostly the same but again this is the difference in editing and this is the key di- this is the key like insight into editing i wish every editing teacher would show the original two-hour justice league and then show this four-hour version to show like what the differences are you know what i mean because this like you see in the in the in the theatrical version these action scenes happen quick they're fast and they just kind of end and they're over like they kind of just they're, they're like, oh, let's get to the action scene. The action scene happens, and then they kind of roll out, and that's the end of it. Like, to me, that always, like, and whenever I watch it, when I watch it in theaters and when I watch it on, on Rerun, I always feel like, oh, what, I, I don't understand what's happening here, you know? But this version actually takes the time. And suits to Zack Snyder and his, you know, obviously mastery of slow motion. He's been the king of slow-mo for a long, long time. Um, but he does a really good job using the slow motion and using just setup in general to set up the action and set up the dynamics. Like when we get that opening sequence with Wonder Woman, um, with the bombing of the of, of the the bank with the school kids in it. Um, when we see that in the theatrical version, it's just it just makes it feel like it's almost like a robbery. You know, like they're just robbing the place and then they might bomb it or something like that. But here it's like, oh, this is an actual terrorist attack. There's an actual one minute like that she has to do it, and then the slow motion and the time lapsing really add to the stakes and then when she clinks to one bullet and it drops and then she does another one and it drops like it happens it happens quick in the theatrical version and you're just like oh she's kind of doing it but when the way Zack snapped it up like multiple times doing it you're like oh shoot she's discovering this power like as we are discovering it too and then she and we realize she's doing the whole running thing you're figuring out oh she's literally like figuring this out like on the spot you know um so yeah i just love things like that i love having more context to the action same thing with Again, going to the end with Cyborg and him, you know, inserting himself into that mother box. Like, if we didn't get the full storyline of Cyborg before that moment, that scene would have meant like absolutely nothing. Um, and yeah, I, I just feel like they there's such a good job of establishing setup and payoff, setup and payoff. That's what the key dynamic and action sequences are. And they did a really good job at that. The the problem with the Weedon scenes is it was no setup all payoff and just was left like unsatisfying. So Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because obviously we pretty much got the same action scene when it comes to the team taking on Superman when he's delirious and confused and he's fighting everyone at the same time, which is a cool scene. Um, 
there's one difference that I thought was so interesting. The music. Uh, I think it's interesting. Uh, not the music. So uh, it's the scene where Superman is walking towards Batman. Mm -hmm. uh, they added a little bit more there. At least I think they did. Um, and it's so funny because we just saw Superman basically go into the speed force uh, mm -hmm. for how yeah. fast he is. But when he sees Batman, he chooses to walk super slow. <laughs> <laughs> Almost to taunt him, right? And yeah. I thought like... I thought that was on purpose. I thought Superman was literally trolling Batman as mm. far as him like showing off his six pack and his muscles where he's walking mm. super slow and he sees Batman and Batman's he's just walking towards Batman so slow <laughs> and the flash comes in and he just like tosses him to the side. He like yeah. pushes uh, um, uh, out there. Aquaman to the side and then Diana mm. comes in and, and he just grabs her and does the look headbutt thing and tosses mm. her, but he's walking so slow towards her that mm -hmm. I thought that made it a little bit more mm -hmm. uh, emotional and dynamic and, and dramatic yeah. as far as like Superman chooses to walk slow towards Batman, even though he yeah. literally can go into the speed force and just yeah. be there in, in point 0.1 seconds. And I thought that yeah. was a really cool. Uh, I mean, Superman, and, Superman was mad at Batman. Batman literally just <laughs> tried to kill him in the last movie, basically, you know? So that's the one thing too, that I, I can't lie. I, I really do feel I've been I've talked about BVS before, but I've always said my biggest problem with BVS was Batman. Um, mm. And I kind of like that even he's like, my biggest problem with me is me. Like I messed up in BVS. Like I messed up the whole time. Batman to himself is thinking this um, mm. because he realizes that he made a big ass mistake going after Superman when he should have been doing other stuff. Uh, and that yeah. was always my issue when I was watching BBS because I never, never felt like it made sense for Batman to be like, I'm going to decapitate Superman. And I was like, why? It makes no sense. Well, it uh, made sense in the Ultimate. In the Ultimate Edition, it made way more sense in the Ultimate Edition. Yeah, but even then, I still felt like, God, man, you're still going off stuff that is not grounded. It's all stuff that still you can toss yeah. aside if you yeah. literally just sit down and talk to him. Uh, yeah. But again, even he realized it in this movie, and he's he is tr trying to come to terms with it. Even Alfred says, like, you're you're um, you're uh, trying to make up for past amends. You're trying to make up for what mm -hmm. you messed up with when it comes to Superman, and now you believe in him so much that you actually think he's like a divine entity that's going to come in the last second, which he does, obviously. Yeah, so many good Jeremy Iron scenes that are cut right? out of out of this yeah. out of the original version too. Um, and you know, it's funny you're talking about like you know uh, uh, Ben Affleck and Batman, and I think I really was beginning. I think I really watching this film. I really was beginning to understand why an actor, an Oscar winner like Ben Affleck, would choose to step into this role because if you see. If you know, if you're talking to Zack Snyder and he's breaking down the whole story arc of Batman that he's going to see throughout like the whole series, like between BVS and this, this makes a lot more sense for an actor to kind of bite his teeth into, like as opposed to like, you know, him just being dark and brooding and 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 in 2016 and then just suddenly being the goofy Batman that he was in like 2017, you know? And this one, it felt like more of an arc. He felt like he was like sad, like through the entire first half of this movie, just trying to figure out. And then when, once the idea of like the mother box and bringing back Superman comes back, comes, you know, comes, comes to, you know, the, the table, he, he, he's like, Oh yes, let's do it. Like he's fully into it. So I like seeing that. I also like seeing, uh, by the way, it's, it's also interesting that um, Ben Affleck participated in both of the, 
um, epilogue refilm scenes at the end too, right? With the with the nightmare sequence and the epilogue, and also setting up to Martian Manhunter. Um, to me, to me at least, that shows that Ben Affleck's also fully in for this universe. He also had an executive producer credit on this, which I thought was super interesting. I, and I, when he was, um, and by the way, there's so many like bogus reports that were coming out 2017, 2018. People saying, ah, Ben Affleck's Batman had like a death wish. He was suicidal. Like that's why Warner Brothers fired Zack Snyder. Like they were saying all this crazy stuff back then. Um, but when you actually watch the story, it's relatively normal and relatively reserved. This is probably his best turn. I feel like as you know, we've only seen him in granted two, three movies with, if you count suicide squad. Um, but this was by far his, 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 his best performance. And, uh, I would love to see him continue, uh, in some capacity in the Batman role. If, if that's even some multiverse kind of weird way, you know, it's crazy to think how dramatically different those Batman scenes for me were when it comes to uh, without the mask or with the mask, how better it was in this film and than it was in the Whedon stuff. Like the Whedon stuff to me was like unwatchable. Um, same with the Diana and Batman interactions. I love how minimal it was in this movie, even though it's a longer movie, uh, right? Yeah, like they weren't made, like flirting. Though, they weren't like, flirting or like being like, yeah. oh, do you need a massage? I'll take the suit off for you. Like, it's like, why do mm-hmm. we need this? Like, we don't need this right now. Uh, and it made more sense for her character too. And I like her, uh, obviously we just mainly get her uh, having amazing action scenes, but even the little emotional moments between her and Cyborg, um, mm-hmm. Uh, between her and, and the little girl in the beginning, like I still felt like those moments worked 20 times better than any extended scenes we got from her in the Whedon cut. Um, and the same with the Batman scenes. And, I, and it's still, it's interesting. We talked about action, but I didn't mention how much more cohesive it was, uh, at least in the final battle sequence, where I thought it was just the most uncohesive like unorganized thing I've ever seen in my life when the parademons were coming at them in the uh, theatrical cut. But in this one, I felt like, oh, I know exactly where the parademons are. They're going around the car and he's sniping all of them. And it, and it felt like, okay, I'm in it. I'm, I'm in the car. I'm literally experiencing this and I'm taking down the parademons with Batman. Um, that was a massive improvement, man. Like that yeah. might be one of the biggest improvements because yeah. that's unwatchable in the movie. In the yeah, also, also seeing that whole like conflict of like Batman fighting the parademons on foot while meanwhile Flash is like spinning around the whole thing trying yeah. to keep the, the voltage going. Meanwhile, Cyborg's trying to open the thing up and he's like battling his own internal battle. And then it, it, like seeing all that build up and seeing that actually lose and seeing that actually fail was like so like, yo, like what? Like because they set that up for so long, like you almost feel like you're in this in this battle sequence for so long because partially because you are like it is a long it is sequence um and it it, and it they do they definitely do a good job but it looks also it looks so much better without that ugly ugly red color correction um theatrical cut it did way i mean obviously like it was still pretty red because the thing was overwhelming but they didn't make it brighter they didn't try and like kill the yeah it just looked way nicer and way cleaner um but yeah, just seeing like these multiple points of conflict happening for each of the characters, like Batman on foot here, Superman trying to fight off uh, Stephen, Superman and Wonder Woman fighting off Stephen Wolf at the same time. Seeing all these multiple threads was just super, super dope and, and super exciting, I felt like. so. Yeah, and that's, I, I still think that seeing Darkseid in the boom tube or through the boom tube and seeing mm-hmm. Apocalypse in the background was pretty cool and seeing Granny Goodness there uh, for any DC fans. Uh, granny goodness always being by dark side, side literally 
just the potential of apocalypse and what that could mean. Uh, as a massive Justice League fan, Justice League animated series uh, literally ends with this kind of apocalypse to earth kind of battle um, and Superman going to toe to toe with uh, with uh, Darkseid and then the anti-life equation and all this stuff that if you've seen Justice League Unlimited, you know how cool and epic that is. Uh, and it's just a fresh reminder of like, God, man, I grew up on Justice League, the animated series, man. I grew up with Justice League Unlimited. Like this is stuff I saw um, on TV as a kid uh, and seeing it in live action just a little bit was just enough for me to be like, dude, it's worth every price of admission. It's worth it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I really still think that's cool. St Superman staring down dark side. Cause that Superman versus dark side thing is like, that's classic dude it's ancient uh yeah. even though it's it's like since the 90s but still it feels ancient to me it feels classic because i've seen so many fights before uh so it was worth it man i i really it's crazy how much better the improvement was it's crazy how much better cyborg was and um every character just felt exponentially better and, and the pacing and the music and all of it felt like it made sense um yeah it really did any uh final thoughts um any final thoughts man um well yeah again salute to to, to zack snyder and team for for getting this made this is definitely one of the um best superhero experiences i've had in, in, in a really um, long time and honestly when you when you look at like for me personally when i look at like each of these individual characters and each of their through lines throughout this film i feel like it, even if this was unfortunately like the last like time we're gonna see like this version of the DC universe, it did feel like almost like a proper conclusion to me, like to some extent, mm -hmm. at least at least to Henry Cavill's Superman, at least to Ben Affleck's Batman, um, at least to like a lot of these characters, and obviously we we're still continuing to see stories with Wonder Woman and Aquaman and things like that, um, and probably gonna see more movies of Flash and all that. But like in terms of what I felt from this film, like this film gave me so much that. You know, frankly, you know, you don't need to, you know, if, if they choose not to go back in this direction, I'm totally cool with it. But I would really, really love them to go back in this direction, no doubt. Yeah. Um, and also, too, like this, this just goes to show you, like, make sure, you know, always like no matter how tough it gets, no matter how much critics like go after, you know, you and the crew and the, and, and the cast and, and, the, and the studios, like make sure you hold on to the vision of the director, because the director, you know, does have a vision. You hired him for a reason. Zack Snyder has made a lot of money for Warner Brothers over the years, whether that was through Man of Steel, BVS, or 300, or Watchmen. Watchmen he's made a lot yeah. of money for him. I don't know why they didn't trust him from the jump. Obviously, we didn't know why they didn't trust him because yeah, 2016 and Batman versus Superman was just not a success. It didn't, you know, it was not a success critically. People trashed critically. it, people panned it. Understandably so. Understandably so. But I still um, feel like it, there's such a different. <sighs> I don't know how to say this, man. I've seen so many bad movies and yet critics, you know, give it a good review. And it's just remarkable if you really think about it, man, there's no denying. And I know we've talked about this off camera before too. The idea of like, I've seen trash ass superhero movies get like 85% on Rotten Tomatoes because it was fun and it was cool and it was quirky. And I was like, it was trash. And the way that BVS got trashed just wasn't deserved. And also, if you look at the BVS box office, it's higher than a lot of Marvel movies. And it's one of the highest rated uh, Warner Brothers superhero DC movie. And it just goes to show you that, you know, 
Warner Brothers executives going on Rotten Tomatoes and reading reviews and being like, oh no, they're right. The color palette is too dark and there's not enough jokes. We gotta be like Marvel. Let's hire mm-hmm. Joss Whedon. And it just ruined a, a, a director's vision and, and ruined a lot of their financial aspects. It ruined their entire company, to be honest, man. I mean, they got a lot of people at the top got fired and let go uh, all for just trying to make a different movie and trying to make it under two hours and trying to get that bonus when they release it on time. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? When they tried to release yeah. it at the exact same schedule, even though it clearly mm-hmm. wasn't finished. Um, mm-hmm. All that stuff. And also the idea, this is my last thing. I'm going to say this now because the biggest talking point of this whole thing is the four hour cut of it all. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest mistake a studio can make is thinking that a runtime is going to lead to more ticket prices. That is not the case. That'll never be the case. Quality on mm-hmm. connections to audiences, characters, that leads to ticket being sold more, to ticket prices, um, to tickets actually being sold and to people going out yes. to see the movie. This idea of like, it has to be under two hours. I don't care what you got to cut out, but cut it out, blah, 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 blah. That's within the contract. And it's like, even in the damn contract, like you got to make it under two hours. How stupid is that? It just doesn't work. It doesn't flow. I have a longer story. Let it breathe. Let it go. And Mar- the MCU has done that now with the three-hour Avengers Endgame. And it worked. Infinity War was another two and a half. Let stories be told. This idea that executives have about uh, you know, statistics as far as running and how many run times can we get in a theater and how many theaters can we be? It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's destroyed a ton of movies and it's destroying what we see now. And I'm so glad that the biggest slap in the face that we can get to those executives is a four hour cut, Um, which to me is just like, yeah, yeah, it's a lot, but at least it lets the story be told and lets it breathe. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's my last point, man. Yeah, no. And um, yeah, yeah. Studios. Yeah. They don't need to be anchored to like this idea of like a short movie. There's no such thing as a short movie. It's a quality movie. That's what matters. And I think, again, if this would have been an hour 20, people would have ate this up. It's Justice League. (laughs) It's Justice League. I don't think they understand. Like, it's Justice League. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, I also thought, you know, I also thought them introducing, you know, all of the all of the talk leading up to the movie um, in 2017 was the Unite the Seven, Unite the Seven. Mm -hmm. And we never really fully understood the seven was until this film when we yeah. see Martian Manhunter introduced, um, played by Harry. Yeah, yeah, played by uh, Henry Lennox, who was the general in um, in Man of Steel. Now, this actor's talked about wanting to play Martian Manhunter for a long time, and you know, there's been fan speculation as it was going to happen. But actually, seeing that moment happen, like for one, him transforming from um, from Diane, uh, uh, what's her name, uh, Diane Lane, or who? Uh, uh, okay. Martha Kent, yeah, uh, into into Martian Manhunter. I was like, oh, yo, no way, like you know. And I, don't, I part of me wonders, like, was that original scene in the original cut, and then they refilmed like the outside of him closing that door, and 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 that I wonder if that was refilmed. And then, of course, uh, at the end, the scene with with uh, with, with Ben Affleck again, like him actively participating in this reshoot thing, yeah. um, and Martian Manhunter. Um, really sets up like this 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 was what this was supposed to be so i don't know i don't know what you think about that i i here's what i think about it man again for anyone out there who's listening to this right now or watching this if you grew up on justice league the animated series if you grew up on justice league unlimited like i did martian manhunter um 
or uh, John Jones, as I prefer to call him, is one of the most uh, emotionally captivating, kind-hearted, badass superheroes ever. I love Martian Manhunter with all my heart. He's key, and I mean key, to a lot of the Superman stories when it comes to um, Superman movies that we see nowadays, as far as the animated movies, Martian Manhunter comes up a lot uh, when it comes to Young Justice in Superman stories or Justice League, the animated series. Um, it's It really is like he is one of the hearts of the Justice League. And I love, love, love that character so much. So seeing him even in this little bit, literally one scene or two scenes uh, was worth it, man. And I, I just the only thing I wish was just if he said John Jones instead of Martian Manhunter, I know for like they have to say Martian Manhunter, but for me, his name is John Jones and even says it in the animated series, but I love that character so much. So for me, that that felt worth it, man. I really do love the Martian angle, the, the story of the Martians, the white Martians, all that stuff is really freaking cool. Yeah, no, I'm super, super looking forward to that. Also looking forward to, or I mean, I don't know if we're looking forward to, I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. I don't um, think it will, but but I still feel like it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, like yeah. you said, it felt like a right conclusion, even though we might not get the actual conclusion, because mm-hmm. that might be a lot. I mean, that mm-hmm. if this one costs a lot, then this other one's probably going to be like a billion to make. Um, yeah. It, it's still worth what we got, in my opinion, just to show Definitely. people the idea of letting stories breathe and the idea of letting stories be told through the director and not 20 executives trying to throw in some jokes about flash falling into wonder woman's boobs and and butt shots and stupid ridiculous stuff that doesn't make sense um yeah yeah, that's it's worth it just for that to me and it's worth it to see an epic dc story in live action yeah 100 100 percent uh already guys that was our conclusion that was our meaning of episode on the snyder cut uh if you have any comments let them down let us know down below uh subscribe to first cut if you haven't done so already that's the best way to get in contact with us and the best way to support us uh yeah uh, rb3 where can everyone find you uh you can find me on twitter and instagram uh, at director rb3 also you know everywhere you can follow first cut um also you can find me hysterically laughing at that opening sequence in the film <laughs> not opening sequence but when the one when the when aquaman is like going into the water and the, and the icelandic lady starts singing yeah uh, that's the part in the movie that i laughed hysterically i'm sorry yeah. out of out of the close to perfect movie that sometimes was the one you gotta that sniff some sweaters bro you gotta sniff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, too hard at that one uh yeah either way guys check us out over there you can find me at squad leader racing you can find us on social media at first cut team mo for the first cut crew we're peace out peace